Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Solid Ground Church, where every week we share messages recorded during our weekly gatherings in Lewis, Delaware. If you have questions or if we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now, let's get to this week's message. Well, hey, listen, do me a favor. If you have a Bible, open up uh, to... Here, I'll pass it to you, Mark. Um, open up to John 12. We're going to take a pause on Acts today. Um, the reason we're... Like, we've been going through Acts. Uh, the reason we're just going to take a pause on that, the narrative in Acts is about to, like, flow in a way that I don't want to interrupt. And so what we're going to do, uh, we're going to read uh, some of the Gospel of John today. We'll read the Easter story next week, and then... Uh, in a few weeks, we'll we'll get back into Acts. But today, um, it's Palm Sunday. Um, and so I thought we, we'd read uh, the story of Palm Sunday and, and dig into what the scriptures say with that. One other thing, and then we'll get into it uh, while you're turning to John 12. Uh, we're celebrating something as a church. Uh, this week, Josh and Leah welcomed baby Delta Bell. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she is cute as a button. So... Uh, we're really excited about that, that, that Delta is here. Um, and Josh and Leah, if you're watching, congratulations. They're not watching. They're, like, they're, 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 they're not. They're not. All right. All right. Um, okay, so here's where we are. Like, in the story of the Gospel of John, this is what's going on as we go into John 12. So this is, uh, like, a lot of the Gospel of John focuses on uh, the end of Jesus' life, teachings of the Last Supper. John 12 is going into that. So uh, what's happened in the narrative, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead, and he now sets his sights on Jerusalem. He's going to go there because that is where he is going to go to die for our sins and rise from the dead. He knows that the end is near. And this is just something I, I like to bring up um, because this happens at the height of Jesus' popularity. And yet, um, he walks into the city knowing what is going to happen to him. I, I like to bring this up because sometimes what happens is we, we have this fictionalized version of Jesus that sometimes, listen, um, as men, it's hard for us to identify with. We see him as, like, you know, with like highlights and feathered hair and paintings and, and this sort of like, you know, the, the, this guy that like kind of gets sucker punched, right? And I, I just point out like, like the tenacity of Jesus that he knows the agony of the scourging he is going to receive and he walks into it anyway. Because his, his love for us is so great that he says, listen, I will not let anything stop me from giving my life for them. And so he enters into Jerusalem. And again, I say this at the height of his popularity. People are, they're like, they, the, the miracles have happened. People are excited. They believe that he is the promised Messiah. They're celebrating as he enters the city. And so here's what it says in John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Okay, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And so here's what they're doing, okay? What they're doing is they come out and, and they've got these palm branches. I don't know if you guys have a church background. Usually what happens, like when you go to church on Palm Sunday, they give you a little palm branch. We're cheap, we have nothing for you. Um, <laughs> Also, I don't want to clean up after you. I, I, know, I know how you operate. If I give you a palm branch, I'm going to find it in the seat pocket this week. So like, no. But anyway, they, they, they have palm branches. We don't, they did. Okay, and, and they're waving them and they're, and they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he. Okay, and, and for the longest time, I thought what Hosanna meant, because it's a, it's a transliteration. It's, it's another language's word that's smacked in English in our Bible. I thought Hosanna meant praise God. It doesn't. 
Hosanna means save us. It's a Hebrew imperative. In other words, they're screaming out, they're begging him in this celebration, save us. Save them from what? Well, at this point in the first century, what's going on is Jerusalem is under Roman occupation, okay? They are quote unquote free in the sense of like they have their own king, but their king is a puppet king who was installed uh, in conjunction with the Romans. Like he, he, he submits to them, he serves them. He's about their agenda, even though he's like, kind of about the, the, the Jews who are living there, but really like he's an insult to them. Okay, there are Roman centurions everywhere all over the place. And so there are people who, who technically on paper are free, but they're very much not free. There are people who like, they're supposed to be a, a beacon of God's light and life to the world. And they're under the thumb of the most oppressive human regime that the world had ever seen. And so Jesus comes in and they believe that he's the Messiah. They believe that he is this, what's this word Messiah mean? It's, it's, it's again, transliteration. It's, it's a transliteration of the Hebrew word Mashiach, which means anointed one. It's the promised king, the one that God would send. And they believe that when God sent this king, what he would do is he would get rid of all the ills of the world. He would be a great military leader. He would, like, they believe that he would show up and he would oust the Romans and he would set up the right kingdom, not the puppet king, his own king, God's kingdom. And so they're looking at their lives and they're seeing how they've been oppressed by the Romans and they're going, save us, please, it's bad here. And what they're quoting, by the way, like when we talk about like this thing where they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they're not just making this up. They're actually quoting Old Testament. Specifically, what they're quoting is Psalm 118, which says this in verses 25 and 26, it says, Lord, save us. Hoshia, Hosanna is where we get that word from, Okay. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. Okay, that's what they're yelling out. That's what they're quoting when Jesus walks in. But you know something crazy about Psalm 118? In Psalm 118, just a few verses earlier, is a verse that Jesus would quote all the time to the religious leaders when they rejected him. And it says this in verse 22. The stone the builders has rejected has become the capstone. The stones that the builders rejected has become the capstone. In other words, this stone that people looked at and they went, oh, that, there's nothing to that. It's actually been elevated to the place of prominence. I love this. I love this, that in the very psalm that they're praying, they're missing their fate. In the very, like the very psalm that they're going like, save us, save us, save us. Jesus looks at it and he goes, I will but you have no idea what you need saving from. Okay, like, and just something to know, like with, with Passover, okay, like, because you're going to the Passover celebration where they are, this group of people, they're ex, like, they every year, they're, they're hoping for the arrival of the Messiah because it's this really, really holy day. It's this time where everybody's like, you know, they're flocking to the city. They're, they're having Passover sacrifices. They're having Passover meal. It's this huge celebration, right? And everybody's waiting for the Messiah. And so when Jesus shows up at Passover, they think the Messiah is here and he doesn't reject that. He never, like, he never goes like, okay. No, he receives the praise that is due his, but they're so caught up in what they think they need saving from that they miss what they actually need saving from. Now, just really, I want to I want to zone in on this for a minute, okay? Because um, it's just so crazy to think about what they thought they needed saving from was a government. Hello, okay. 
But what they actually needed saving from was their sins. If I could say it like this, they wanted Jesus to change the world, but he said, first I'm gonna change you. You understand? Okay. Um, can like you hear your prayers in theirs? Come on. I can hear mine. I can hear the prayers of so many people that I meet where they believe this is the thing that God's got to do in order to be good. And if he does this, I'll praise him. If he does this, I'll follow him. If he does this, this will show that, he's, that he hasn't forgotten me and that he's there for me and that he'll never abandon me. If he does this thing. And all the while missing, hold on, there may be something much deeper and much more important that he's doing in and through you. Okay? And so like, here they are, they're screaming, save us. How many of us, we go through this too. God, save me from my in-laws. <laughs> my sister-in-laws here, Megan, that, that was, that was, that was that, that's an illustration. That's not, that's not accurate. All right. God, okay, let me, more general, so it's not weird. Um, God, save me from my boss. God, save my marriage. God, save my political party. God, save my situation, okay? Like, God, save my mortgage payment. God's, and again, it's not that God doesn't care about your needs. He absolutely does. But one of the things that happens is because, like, essentially what we're doing in those needs is if we're not careful, we set up a false king, right? Because that's what they're doing. They're, they're setting up a false king in the idea of, like, they, they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They just have no idea what the Messiah means. And so, and so they're going, like, I'll follow as long as he looks like this, right? And they're, gonna be, they're about to be really, really disappointed, even though he's going to do more for them than they could have ever asked for. Okay, but how many of us too? Okay, listen, like God, and, and how many of us, let's just, we're, we're carrying the bitterness. And if it's not bitterness, because maybe we're, we're, too, we're too spiritual, and so we'll never say that we're bitter at God. And so, instead, instead, what we'll say is this, we'll go, we'll go like, like the way it comes out is, I won't actually pray boldly because I'm afraid of being disappointed again. And what you're carrying in your heart is this thing of like, God has shown himself that he can't be trusted. He isn't actually going to save. He isn't actually going to take care of me. He actually isn't going to come through. And what I want you to realize is that there's never, if you're in Christ, there's never been a moment where God stopped caring. There's never been a moment where God wasn't working something on your behalf. And so here they are, and they're going like, save us, save us, save us, and they're missing what God is going to do. Let me just say it like this, okay? So fun little story. One of my best friends in the world uh, is my buddy, Josh Dupish. He's a pastor up in Milford. Uh, we've had Josh preach here before. I, lo I love me some Josh Dupish, okay? Um, Josh, when, uh, when, when they moved to Delaware, Josh and I have known each other for 20 plus years because we're getting older and time is weird. And um, <laughs> it just is. And uh, when, when, they, <laughs> when they moved to Delaware, Josh said to his wife, Julie, like, you know, when they accepted, the, the, they're at Hope Church in Milford, when they accepted Hope Church, he said, listen, let's, let's pray for specific things for when we get here. Like, I, there's some things that I want when we move to Delaware. And Josh is the kind of guy, like, the, I, I respect the way that he prays in the sense that he treats it like, like he's submitting a work order to God. Like, it's very, it's very organized. Like, he'll go, okay, I'm, I'm petitioning for this, this, and this. Here you go. And now I wait. Okay? And so that is not a caricature. All right? So anyway, so Josh is like, you know what? I would like to have, Julia, I would like to have a house that has four bedrooms. 
Josh, we don't need four bedrooms. I would like a house with four bedrooms. And, and I would like a big yard, and I'd like a fence around it, and I would like this to be a really, really nice place, and all this stuff. This is the stuff that I would like. It would make me very happy if I have this thing. And so I'm going to submit this to God and ask him to give it to us. Okay? And so, somebody say amen to that. All right, well, look at this. <laughs> Wait till the story is done. So, um, <laughs> and so he submits it to God. And it's crazy because... In the market at the time, something came up that was exactly what they wanted, nice place that they could afford that was exact, I mean, like just to see what he had asked for. And they're given this house with way more space than they could possibly need. And time goes on. And this past July, Josh's sister tragically died from brain cancer and left behind two kids that Josh and Julie took in with their own. And suddenly those extra bedrooms that Josh would say, man, I wanted them out of selfishness. It turns out that God was even using my selfishness to create a space and provide for these children. Okay. Here's the thing that I just, I, I want us to know as we're going forward in the Palm Sunday story. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Don't assume that God isn't saving just because he doesn't do it the way you want him to, okay? Let me say that again. Don't assume that God isn't saving just because he doesn't do it the way you want him to. The longer you walk with Jesus, you will see him do incredible things. And other times it will seem like he's doing nothing. That's never true. He's always, always, always working something on your behalf if you are in Christ. Here's what Paul, who was an apostle, who was very acquainted with suffering. I mean, many of his letters he wrote from jail. This is what he said about the way that God provides in Ephesians 20, or 3.20 and 21. He said, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. How could he write that in a prison cell that God would do more than he'd ever even imagine? Because he had lived through it. He had lived through Jesus stepping into the earth and dying for our sin and rising from the dead. And so he knew, okay, even though, even in the times where it seems like God is far, he could be closer than I could ever ask him to be. Let me say this to you, like, for you and me, this is the reality of the gospel, is that while we weren't even looking for God, he looked at us with so much love that he gave his own blood on our behalf. Like, when we didn't even care about God, he said, I love you so much, I'll give all of me for you. And if that was true and we didn't care, what do you think he's doing now that we do? Oh, because that's, it's hard, beats for us. He doesn't respond to us in the way that we think that he should. That's gospel. That's going into Palm Sunday. You're like, oh yeah, we're gonna talk about Palm Sunday? Yes, let's continue. <laughs> John 12, continuing in verse 14. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's 
colt. Remember, remember you see that, that line like, as it is written, you always kind of want to ask, where's that written? Let me show you what, what, what John, as he's reflecting on this, is referencing. This comes from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verses 9 through 11. I want you just to see the gospel in it. Here's what he says. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem, right, where this is happening. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And what's God gonna do? I will take away the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. And the battle bow will be broken. He, and then he begins to talk about this figure who's riding the donkey. And look at what he says. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Do you see the gospel in that? Shoot, man, how do you miss it? Like, okay, hey, he, he, he presents this picture of, of this king riding in on a donkey. And what he's going to do is he's going to bring not a reign of war, but a reign of peace. And what he's going to do, literally, like, because of the blood of his covenant, okay, like through his blood being shed, he is going to free the prisoners from the waterless. I love this, like that language, like waterless pit. Like, what is sin? It's a waterless pit. Have you, have you not noticed that? Like you just, like you throw yourself into it. You can't get out of it. You're not satisfied in it. And Jesus goes, I'll free you from it. I'll free you from it. Not you climb your way out. No, I will pull you out of that pit. Oh, that's good. That's good. And the crazy part is this. This is so explicit in Zechariah. But look again at what John 12, verse 16 says about it. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. So they see Jesus riding in on a donkey and they're like, what? Why would you do that? That's so weird. And you, like, here's, here's why that's weird. Because you're like, well, I mean, what's the big deal? Donkey, horse, what's the matter? Oh, it matters a lot, actually. It matters a lot because it completely reframes what they thought uh, Jesus was. So for instance, um, this comes from a, a commentary uh, by Merrill Tenney on the Gospel of John. Here's, here's what he says to like, sort of explain the, the situation. He says, Donkeys were used by judges and kings in the Old Testament for errands of peace. The horse was used mainly as a charger in battle. Okay. By this conscious fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus offered himself as a king of peace, not as a warrior. He asserted royal claims, but not in the military manner. The ensuing bewilderment of the disciples was caused by their inability to reconcile his willingness to be recognized as the king of Israel with his unwillingness to exert the secular authority which they thought all kings should use. Okay, so here, here's, here, here's what uh, he's saying, okay? Like, if Jesus was going to be the kind of king that they expected him to be, he would have rode in on a horse because what he would do is he'd ride in sword drawn, let's kill us some Romans. But instead he comes in on this donkey, because this is what kings who rode in on peace rode in. 
And the crazy part is this. The crazy part is this. Um, the disciples look at this and they're like, what? And I, I just, let, me, let me acquaint you with a term that you should just be aware of as you're reading through the Gospels uh, to make sense of the way that Jesus does things um, because it's so backwards. If you want to understand like what the kingdom of God in Christ looks like in this life, it's what's called the upside down kingdom. That's what the, that's, I mean, that's the best way to understand how Jesus does things. Like in terms of how we expect a king to operate, in terms of how we expect a kingdom or just what life should be, we have completely inverted it from God's way. Okay, so think about like Jesus, who's the king of all, who deserves all admiration, service, respect, and honor. What does he do in the, in the coming chapters in John? He lowers himself to the form of a servant. He dies on our behalf, but not even just that. Think about the way he serves his disciples. He's washing their feet. Kings don't do that. Slaves shouldn't even do that. But he does that. Why? Because as it turns out, our standards of right and wrong are incredibly jaded. They're self-serving. They're influenced by a life of selfishness. They're taught to us by people who maybe they weren't bad, but they themselves were selfish because all of us are selfish. And we've flipped how it's supposed to be. And you just see this over and over and over again in the gospels, this idea of an upside down kingdom. I mean, in every capacity, all right, so here's Jesus and he's not gonna reign with a sword. Instead, he's gonna transform the heart. Why? Because a sword can't do that. But we can continue. Like Jesus, when he shows up, instead of slaying his enemies, he heals them. What? Jesus, in a world where, listen, kids have no value, and you should just know that, like, unless you were a man, your life didn't count for much, okay? In this world where, like, kids are, like, I wouldn't even call them second-class citizens, because even use the word citizen as being generous. Jesus goes, bring those kids to me, I want to bless them. What? In a world that says, listen, like, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, Jesus goes, if somebody strikes you on one cheek, instead of taking revenge, turn and offer the other cheek. Like, our entire way of life is backwards from how God says life is to be lived. Let me say that to the one who takes pride in how good of a person you are. Jesus looks at you in the Gospel of Matthew. He goes, you think you're good? You have no idea how bad you are. Hey, you look at your life and you go, at least I've never. I've never, I've never committed adultery. I've never murdered. And Jesus goes, yeah, about that. If you lust, you've committed adultery. If you're angry with somebody, you've committed murder. What? How does he do that? Because it's an upside down kingdom. Turns out that everything that we know is wrong. To quote one of my favorite theologians, Yoda, you must unlearn what you have learned. Mm, that's some good preaching. Okay, look, sorry. And the only way that we can do that, by the way, is getting to know Jesus. It's not even just reading, because you can read the scriptures and they don't come alive to you. You must read them with the illumination of the Holy Spirit. So he's convicting your heart and then he's molding you and transforming you. I was amazed. Um, I had a Bible for years before I knew Jesus and it collected dust on my shelf. And then after the spirit brought me to life, I was amazed how much it was speaking to me exactly where I was. You know, Pastor Bill used to say that he, he, he had the same experience that after he, uh, he got saved, he said, he said, somebody messed with my Bible. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The way that we learn to become part of the kingdom isn't studying harder, it's knowing a person. You understand? And so the story, just, just jump back to, to verse 16 here. It says, at first his disciples did not understand this. But look at this next part of the, 
Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. In other words, only after Jesus rises from the dead, ascends up into heaven, they, they look back on some things in his life and, man, that made no sense. Oh, why could they do that? Well, because now the Holy Spirit was in them and he was pointing them to the truth. I, I like this um, reality that Jesus is firm in who he is even when the rest of the world doesn't get it. Isn't that good? Like he doesn't, he doesn't give way to the pressures of culture and time and the people around him. You can't nag him into changing. He just goes, this is who I am, follow me or don't. Right? Like the royalty in that. Sometimes people miss it. You know, I saw an interview um, not too long ago. It was with, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of William Lane Craig. He's a brilliant apologist, really smart uh, scholar. And it was him and uh, uh, Ben Shapiro from Daily Wire who uh, is a Jewish guy. And the thing that I loved was, I think Shapiro thought he would sit down with Craig and they would just talk about the values that they share. But Craig was not gonna let him go on the question of who is Jesus. Like, so I, I love that, okay? Because like, seriously, if you don't know Jesus, what's the point of the other stuff, right? So, and so like Shapiro is, you know, he's like, he's wanting to talk and Craig's like, well, let me just ask you a question. Like, who do you think Jesus was? And Shapiro's like, oh, you know, and, he's, and like Craig would not back down. Like, tell me about this, okay? And there came this point where, where, Shapiro finally just said, and I think he also, he, he, he had to watch what he said because he didn't want to offend the conservatives watching who were predominantly Christians. So he had to choose his words very carefully so he didn't lose a job. Um, and, but what he said was this. He said, he goes, um, he goes, I think he was probably, I mean, I think he existed. I think he was a Jewish rabbi in the first century who probably thought he was the Messiah and got himself killed by the Romans for trying to lead a revolution. Stories like this show you can't, that can't be the case. And the reason they do that is because we see that Jesus did not try to lead a revolution. In fact, he threw it to the side at every opportunity. He made staunch claims about himself. If you were to go to Jesus and say, I think you're a good teacher, but that's it, he would say, you've rejected the reign of God because he identified himself with God. But stories like this right here, like the triumphant entry, what they do is they show that, listen, Jesus had a very, very clear understanding of who he was, and it's not what any of us thought. And so he enters the city, and people are crying out, save us, and he goes, I'm going to. And then he rides this donkey. People are going, what? And then the story ends in this really peculiar way. Because again, this is a crowd of people who have literally, they've seen him raise a guy from the dead. So they're expecting him to do some neat stuff. And look at what it says in verse 17. It says, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Guys, you've got to hear about this guy. He's got to be the Messiah. Many people, verse 18, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. But now the, the dark cloud looms. Verse 19, so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And can I say this to you as you're sitting here today? Um, you can go after him too. You can. I want to give you an opportunity to today. 
in just a second, we're going to pray. And I would say the following. If you're not with God where you should be, and you'd like that to change, if you call out to him, he'll hear you. God loves you so much, he has died for you to take away your sin, to make you forgiven, even when you don't feel like you are. And he's risen from the dead to give you new life. This isn't every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's be a little bit bold. If you would say, I haven't been following Jesus, would you throw your hand up? Praise God for you guys. Praise God for you guys. Praise God for you. Lord, you see their bones. You can put them down. I want you to pray with me, and, and I'm gonna say some words. They're not magic. But all prayer is is talking to God. Sometimes we don't have the words, so I'll give you some. I'm gonna pray this. I want you just to repeat after me. And I'll tell you what, church, to make it not uh, weird for them, how about you go ahead and, and pray it right alongside them. Here's what we're gonna pray. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for not following you. I believe that you died for my sin, that you rose from the dead, to give me new life. Lord, I'm asking you, please take away my sin. Please fill me with your spirit and show me how to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.